0: Welcome to episode 90 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law coming at you tonight following uh, another subpar performance from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, quarterback play, average, uh, offensive line putrid again after, you know, Tyler Booker called the offensive line pissed off. Well, if that's your pissed off performance, then, buddy, I don't want to see a last days for one because that was about as bad as it gets. Um, now, everybody has heard the quarterback news by now. Alabama going back to Jalen Milro as a starter this week against Ole Miss. Um, usually we've been starting off with the quarterbacks tonight. I wanted to start off with this offensive line play because it's bad as Tyler Butner was, and I don't think we'll ever see him take another snap at the University of Alabama again, I think even when the third stringer comes in, it's going to be Dylan Lonergan if, uh, if Alabama ever blows anybody out, maybe the week before Auburn. They can uh they can blow somebody out, but I, I think that even even after Ty Simpson, I, I think it's it's gonna be Dylan Loner, Lonergan, um, the true freshman. So um we'll talk about quarterbacks in a bit, of course. Uh I wanna start up front though, because like I said, as bad as Buckner was, the offensive line was worse. Um running the ball, pass protection, you know, five sacks, it's just just Terrible. One of the, one of the worst I've ever seen, um and not even in the Nick Saban era. As far as long as I've been watching Alabama football, I mean, it, your left tackles. I mean, I remember Drew Davis. JL, you remember Drew Davis and Chris Caps? I mean, that's what the problem of yeah, uh, Chris Caps letting Auburn sack Brody Croyle about eight times over in Auburn in like what 2005 or something like that. Lester, offensive line issues especially a left tackle. You know, everybody's been talking about the quarterback and the carousel that's going on. You play Milrow. He does well against Middle Tennessee State. He chokes against Texas. Alabama makes a change. Nick Saban talks about, you know, competition, in-season competition, holding yourself accountable, um, holding your teammates accountable. At what point does he hold other positions accountable as well, like the quarterback? Because you know, like we talked about Milrow in the preseason, and he was getting all the first team reps. We we asked, what is what has Milrow done to prove that he deserves to take only first team reps? Same thing with Proctor. This is a true freshman. I Understand, he's he's hella talented. I'm not saying he's going to be bad for his entire career, but right now, what has he done to prove that he deserves to keep getting chances and keep getting run out there? After, well, I mean, what's he giving up? Six, eight sacks in three games. Um, I mean, this, it's not like he's getting beat once again. This is a regular occurrence. What do you do about the left tackle position? That's my first question of the night. Well, your,
1: your left tackle, the guy protecting your quarterback's blind side to be your <laughs> best tackle, which is who is JC Latham. And they're, they're They've long said that they're not going to make a switch unless it's an emergency or an injury situation. And, uh, it's it's I don't know what you do at Proctor. It, he's is he overweight? Is he heavy? I think so. Um, I was scrolling on Twitter and uh, I believe Judy Armand said that he was three ninety in the spring and he's now down to three sixty. Wow. which blows my mind. Like, what are you doing, Alabama, in the summer, in the Alabama Crimson Tide's conditioning program, to not peel that weight off quickly? and to get into shape quickly. He looked slow, out of shape. And what really what really, upset me was in the postgame, Coach Saban, Nick, kind of blamed it on Tyler Booker not being there. Bro, what? <laughs> this is the same guy who said he has, what, six, at least seven starters, he feels like, on his offensive line, and one guy goes out, and now it all goes to shit? No, something, something's not adding up there. And it's not right, and it's not good, especially from your left tackle. You know, no wonder Milrow or Simpson or Lonergan or 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 whoever is skittish in the pocket. Hell, they don't know if they're about to get their helmet knocked off in two seconds because Proctor can't block for them. All all of this stuff is it's, it's it's a domino effect, and you're wondering why you know play is so bad. You know, like we've like we've long said, there's not one problem, there's not one issue that can be fixed to help correct this team. But it does start up front.
0: Yeah, uh, Ty Simpson sacked five times in this game against South Florida. A um, couple of times, Proctor let the guy just go right by him. You know, Simpson got folded up like a like a picnic table at a Bills game.
1: Well, uh, I thought before, ACL one time. I thought it was about to get three or four other times. Like, come yeah. on,
0: bro. J-Log, you know, uh, I quizzed you earlier. Let me, let me see how much you remember. What What is the number one rule in pass protection? Do you remember what I texted you? protect from inside out inside out the fastest route to the quarterback is always inside you it doesn't matter how fast you are you know will anderson's super fast if you're going to give me an inside lane and will anderson has to go around a tackle i'm still going to get there faster and will anderson's a hell of a lot faster than i am but that route the inside you always protect the inside and you know jace mcclellan gave up the sack on the inside J.C. Latham gave up the sack on the inside, and then Proctor just got run around. Um, You know, it's – the average time in college between snap and quarterback release is four and a half, five seconds, something like that. I went back and did the sack times because I thought live that maybe Simpson held the ball a little bit, J-Law, but I go back, and the times from snap to when Simpson got hit, 2.1 seconds – 3.4, 3.9, 3.4, 3.9, that one's borderline, 2.9, and 2.7. So on three of his five sacks, he had less than three seconds from the not not from the time he caught the snap, from the time the ball was snapped, was brought off the turf, just snapping it back to, to the quarterback. So that's almost a free run to, for a, a free a free a free line of the quarterback. And so same question I asked Lester. He he made a good point. Nick Saban told us in fall camp that we had seven or eight guys on the offensive line that could play winning football, yet he keeps running the same five out there. Terrence Ferguson slid in for Tyler Booker, who was having, quote, back spasms. Not sure how serious that injury was. But – and then, yeah, Lester made another good point. Like, he's just – it's just – it's always an excuse with Saban. Everything's an excuse. Well, but well, Proctor played bad because – Booker was, uh, wasn't there. Well, is Booker's ass there against Texas? Sure looked like it to me. Guess who sucked ass that game also? Caden Proctor. So the left tackle position is a, huge, is a huge concern. How do you address that if you're Nick Saban? Do you slide Richard in there? Do you maybe put a tight end over to help chip? What do you do in pass protection to keep your quarterback's jersey as clean as possible?
2: I'm not sure what they do about the left tackle because, I mean, he hasn't touched anybody in the last two games, and really nobody had any film on him to know that he couldn't touch anybody against Middle Tennessee. So I I would be willing to guess if we played Middle Tennessee again this week, they would just line up over 74, put as many stunts on his side and wait till he whiffs to go get the quarterback. Now, I, I don't know why it's possible. Maybe it was Booker being out that the offensive line was worse against usf than it was against texas um but man they just they just weren't good and there's a lot of people speculating why that was the case um i just think they're a really bad unit um but i don't know what they do about proctor because if pritchett was good enough wouldn't he be in there i mean he kind of had the job to start with and then caden proctor overtook him so, William, what do you do? You feel like you have six to seven offensive linemen. Well, the other two of those are, are Elijah Pritchett and Terrence Ferguson. Not that I don't – I written go back and check on Terrence Ferguson, but did he play well? I don't know. The, I mean, not, not that any of them played well, but your other two offensive linemen are guys that we thought that would start that got jumped by somebody <laughs> um, going into the year. So, what do you do with those guys? I think you ride it out. And I was even looking on Twitter last night, there's a lot of experts saying that – sometimes offensive lines start slow. Well, we're about to hit week four in SEC play, and I'm not sure how much slower you could start.
0: Yeah, um, coming up on a third of the way through the season after this week, opening up SEC play. um, Let's talk quarterback, Alabama, going back to Jalen Milrow. Um, He claims on Saturday after – a um after in, in the post game press conference that he would evaluate the way Simpson played and he'll evaluate the way Jalen has played and then he'll see how they practice throughout the week and then make a decision comes out on Monday first thing he says in his press conference Jalen Milrose the guy we're rolling um Lester is this something that well first of all let's let's do this let's I want you to value and, and I'm gonna get both your opinions on this let's evaluate. Ty Simpson's play because Butner, we've already talked. He's he's a walking trash can. He's out. He's done. You can't come in against South Florida and go five for fourteen, and just blame it on a bad game, blame it on the rain. He only threw one ball that was wet, so I, I, you can't blame it on any of that. You're you're you, you didn't when the lights came on, you ran and hid. You weren't ready for the big moment, and it was really a small moment in Alabama's eyes because you're playing South Florida, but um, he obviously wasn't ready for the game. But Ty Simpson comes in. He goes 0 for 3 in the first half. He had to throw his first pass away. Um, almost got a grounding call. Thankfully, Robbie Oots was in the area. And then so, <clears throat> you know, after one throw away, he go, He kind of incompletes two in a two-minute drill right before the half. Second half, he comes out. He goes five out of six for whatever, 73 yards, through the nice pass to Dupree that really opened up the game. I'll get into that in a little bit. But evaluate Ty Simpson's play and what you saw and what kind of flashes you saw from him, Lester.
1: I saw, I saw a guy out of Ty who was poised. Um, he didn't really seem rattled. Um, I didn't think, despite you know him not knowing you know whether he's going to take a big hit or not. And I feel like he showed flashes of a guy who could be a pretty dang good quarterback. You know, the, the throw to Dupree. Um, there was one time before the half. I feel like he should have scrambled, but he tried to make a play. Um, that could be one of the things that's holding him back. Is probably you know iffy decision making. But he did do some things, like I said, flashes just here or there, just, you know, an inkling of, okay, this guy can't actually do this, Which is why I feel like a lot of Alabama fans, you know, once they see that, they have so much confidence and um and faith and and wanting to see more of him. <laughs> but um, you know, at the same time, you know, I don't make the decision. And clearly Nick Saban thinks that uh that Miro's the guy. I think that Nick used this game as just another mulligan, another tryout for the quarterbacks. Cause I feel like he knows what he has in Miro. And he wanted to see if Buckner or Ty can, like you said, like do something when the lights come on, when this game time kind real. Of, <laughs> and I, I you know Buckner failed epically. And I, I think Ty did some things to deserve, you know, another legit look. If there's truly a competition, you know, make them compete again.
0: But you know, like you said, he's going back to Milrow this week and um we'll see how that goes. Yeah, me and Lester were talking before the podcast started that even if Ty Simpson balled out in the second half, you can't just say, Okay, you're the guy when he hasn't had legit first team reps in fall camp. Milro took every single snap with the ones. Ty and Buckner were having to split time between the first team, second team, and third team. Um, <clears throat> and so you, you can't expect Ty Simpson, who's also you know gotten limited first team reps in practice as the season has gone along, you can't just slide him in slide him in there and start against Ole Miss. Um, I would have thought about it maybe a little bit more if I was Nick Saban, but I think Saban knows that our best chance to win now, not necessarily maybe even at the end by the end of the year, but right now, as in Saturday, and then you play back to back games on the road. So these next three games, I think he understands that Milroe is your guy that you have to go with. Um, But J-Law, I'm starting to believe – there's another thing me and Leslie were talking about. I'm starting to believe in the fact that Milro might have had the suspension tag pinned on him in this game because, look, Nick Saban's not going to lose a game on purpose. He's too damn competitive to do that. So this game was tight in the second half. I mean, before the, the last drive where Ty Simpson snuck it in after Roy Down ran for about 80 yards. This is a, a one possession game. This is a ten to three game, and you know, you fumble, they get a scoop and score. Or you throw a pick or something, or give a, give a, give them another boneheaded play on special teams like we did early in the game. Then all of a sudden you're tied up, and so I think if Saban was able to, I think he would have gone to Milrow in this game. So there's a lot. There's plenty of rumors flying around. I've heard he's nicked up. He had a concussion. Um, he pouted whenever he found out he was getting benched. Whatever the case is, I do believe he was suspended for the game. Now, Nick Saban will never come out and tell you that. But, J-Law, if Butner comes in and goes 15 for 18, 15 for 20, for 230 yards and three touchdowns and just plays lights out, or even if Simpson in the second half, if he gets more opportunities and he goes 10 out of 12 for – 130 yards and two touchdowns. Did does either one of them get a legit shot in this old miss game? Or do you think possibly he was going because I think he was going back to Milrow no matter what?
2: Yeah, I think if they balled out, they would have forced more competition. And not that Ty Simpson didn't ball out, but I don't think he I don't think he did enough to give anybody the confidence to put him in the spot against an Ole Miss, which is going to score 31 at least in bryant in my opinion? Hey, let me ask
0: you this, J-Law. This is something I heard on another podcast, and it's a very interesting point. On the third and – I think it was third and 15 or something like that, when Simpson scrambled, whenever he scrambled out, and he cuts up the field and it looks like he slid. It doesn't really look like his feet gave out from under him. It looked like he slid on purpose. If he pulls a Jake Coker, was it Texas A and M or Mississippi State where he ran that guy over? I think it's Texas A and M. Yeah, A and M. If he pulls a Jake Coker and runs that guy over and gets that first down, gets up, pumps his fist, does he might get it? Does he? Does that change the narrative of how everybody views him, and especially the coaching staff and maybe his own teammates?
2: Uh, yeah, and that's been the kind of the knock on Ty Simpson this whole time. It's not that he's not a good teammate, but he hasn't had the team. So you would think a guy who has a chance to earn some team points doesn't go down three yards short on a third and 15 in a one-possession game when you have an opportunity. Not that you would get the first down, but an opportunity to potentially get the first down. Now, I thought that this whole quarterback thing, like I said, I don't think Ty Simpson did enough to give you confidence that you can beat Ole Miss. Now, listen, Alabama can't lose another game. Like if they lose and I I don't know like you could potentially say, well, if they lose to Ole Miss and they win out, they can get to the SEC championship, win the game. I get it. But listen, if they lose this week, you you start thinking about losing the team as well. You're two and two after in, in, in September, by the way. I mean, like that's that's not good. So like I don't think he did enough in the game to play him. Now, I also think that Milrow was definitely suspended for the game. I don't think Greg McElroy is just going to – I think for Greg McElroy, he might be wrong on some stuff, but I think he has too much respect for the program and for Nick Saban and really for his job to get on there and say something that's completely false on one of the biggest sports radio stations.
0: And for me, I heard that – I saw that on Twitter, but I didn't hear it. He just
2: said that Milrow, when they told him that everybody was going to get another look. Essentially, Milrow thought that he had won the job, but Nick Saban has said all along, this competition is going to go through into the season and the Texas game. They probably needed to stick with one quarterback. I mean, like it's too big of a game to be rotating doors and you know, you're wasting possessions at that point. So when Saban told him and the other quarterbacks, they're going to open the door for everybody to play essentially Jalen Milrow, not that he was a bad teammate, but I think he probably kind of got down in the dumps last week and, when the USF game rolled around, I, I think Saban had, had to prove a point and say, look, if you're if you're going to be on this team, you're going to be a team player. We were going to give all of you a shot versus South Florida. Now only two of you are going to get a shot versus South Florida. And also, te- technically, Saban did not lie when he said he played Ty Simpson because he was the guy that practiced best the week. He didn't say he was the best, but he might have been the guy that practiced best. And he's ended up being the guy that got the majority of the snaps. So, like, I'm not sure that Jalen Milrow is like, it's him, no doubt. Like, what if he goes out and throws three interceptions against Ole Miss? I think you see Ty Simpson right after that. If Jalen Milrow is playing very poor football and you're in a, a a 14 point deficit at halftime, I think you can see Ty Simpson too. But I also think that the way that you saw Jalen Milrow on the field during the game kind of told you that he knew he wasn't out of the quarterback competition. Like, there's no way that he wasn't one of the guys that they would still be considering to play, especially, listen, Steven, he was taking snaps from Brockermeyer in pregame. That tells me he's suspended. There's no way you started the guy against Texas, and now he is so far down the depth chart that he's taking snaps from one of the Brockermeyer twins before the game. I mean, not that the other guys wouldn't be, but I feel like if you're going to play Ty Simpson and Ty Buckner and Jalen Milro was available for the game, Milro would have either been taking snaps from Dow or from Seth McGauliffe. Like, you don't throw him back there with Brockermeyer, a guy that he would never take snaps from anyway. So um, I don't know what to do about the quarterback situation. I I think Taylor Milrow, like I texted you guys yesterday, gives you the best chance to win this whole Miss game, um, especially if the play calling is going to be the way it's been and the offensive line is playing as poorly as it is, which I do think Saban has to consider when making the decision on who's going to play quarterback. Are you going to – I don't think Ty Simpson held the ball too long. I think that he's more of a statue – then Jalen Milroe, and that kind of proved to, to be true against South Florida. So I think Saban had to consider all that and kind of put it to bed so Milrow could focus this week and, hey, dude, you're the starting quarterback this week. You're going to get your reps, and I need you to perform. But I don't think anybody's job is just secure ever in college football except Caden Proctor's.
0: <laughs> yeah, except Caden Proctor. What I tell you the other day? I think he has blackmail. I think he's got a naked picture of Saban. And, uh, and just yep, better start me or I'm going to show everybody. But um, play calling, man. J Law brought it up. Lester, dude, is Tommy Reese? Is he slow in the head? Is he not going to figure out that you're going to get everybody's best? When we said that, I wasn't talking about SEC teams, dude. I, I'm so tired of hearing this bullshit of the South Florida give like up 600 yards to Florida A&M. Fan move last week, blah. blah. Look, it's these guys' dream to play Alabama. And these guys get them at home, which never, literally never happens. In the year 2023, if you have a bad offensive plan and a good defensive plan, you can stop anybody, even if you're a group of five school. Tommy Reese refuses to get creative in the run game. He's running up the middle, up the middle, up the middle, out of the shotgun, I mean, I, I was literally texting you guys during the game which play was coming next, and I kept telling you, hey, throw deep. Probably going to run up the middle. What did he do? He ran up the middle. So it doesn't matter who plays quarterback, except for Tyler Buckner. So um, let me let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter if Milrow or Simpson play quarterback. If the guy isn't put in the – if if the offensive coordinator is not putting the offensive players in a better position to win – It doesn't matter. It's not going to work.
1: Bro, I from the beginning of the game, and I when I because I I was there and I'm like, I'm texting all about the play calling, and then I rewatched it tonight. And I said again, I'm like, guys, Tommy Reeves made sure he did what he could to try to ease Buckner into the game, whether it was easy throws quick throws, we saw an RPO, bro. Milrow never got a chance to run an RPO, never got a chance to get some of these easy throws that Buckner did. Tommy Reese did not do a single thing to try to ease Milrow into the game, to try to get him comfortable. And same thing with this play calling. And what's crazy to me is, if you were if you would do it against South Florida, why wouldn't you do that last week against Texas? Surely these guys are all practicing this out of the same playbook, right?
2: Hey, I, I got a I got a theory on that. I think it's because Milroe played so well in the system against middle Tennessee that Tommy Reese didn't think that he had to do that for Jalen Milrow and it wasn't in the game plan for the whole game.
0: Why in the hell would you think that? Well, why wouldn't it be that way, though?
2: Because the guy won SEC player though. – I'm just telling you. Like, I don't know why you would think that. I just mm-hmm. think that's that was the thought, that he ran it so well against Middle Tennessee that he could be comfortable in that offense. I'm not saying it's right. It just feels like that's what happened. And you know what? Another thing, speaking of uh, freaking Tommy Reese, buddy,
1: y- y- your left tackle is going shit on the entire game, Get my guy. Let's 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 just let mix it up. Let's run quick plays. Quick, quick, quick. Why are you running these long development plays? Where's your jet sweeps? Where are your screen passes? You know what? That guy's rushing his butt upfield off of your left tackle because he sucks. You know what you need to do? Run a screen to the left side and let him look like an idiot when that ball is dumped right behind his ear and you're running for who knows how long. Why, it's why, 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 why get a play calling? not being adjusted to the defense, like, 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 it's, it's almost like self-sabotage. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, when a defense is doing something against you and it's working consistently, why not change? Why wasn't there a change? Why are we still doing three, five step dropbacks? Why, why didn't we go to the pistol formation? Like, like, I'm sure you're going to go, you're going to talk about, yeah. Change. I, I don't, I don't get it. It, 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 it makes no sense.
0: <clears throat> I'll I'll talk about the pistol real quick since you brought it up. Um, Every game, when I watch the game live, I usually look for a few things. Some things usually catch my eye and then I always go back and I rewatch them. That's what I tell y'all. And um, one thing that I noticed during the game was number one, how outnumbered we were in the box. I'll go over that a little bit, but also I noticed how successful we were running the ball out of the pistol. And, that's one thing I was telling y'all. I was telling my dad we were watching the game together. I'm like, getting the pistol, getting the pistol, and finally in the last drive, we basically stayed in the pistol, but <clears throat> we were um we were run out of the shotgun, um, it, you know, in the shotgun defense. So I'm trying to make this as simple as I can. You know, I'm not, I don't really like to talk about X's and O's because a lot of people that that listen to this don't really care about the X's and O's. Um, they just want to hear Lester rant, but uh, he's <laughs> in the shotgun. The strong side is the opposite of the running back. So if you're on defense and the running back's on the left, uh, your left side, it's strong right because he's coming across the formation. That's the way a run play goes. You really don't see a lot of play side dives out of the shotgun. It's very difficult to do that. You go back and watch LSU in 2019 with Clyde Edwards. Or later they did that a lot, and they were really successful on the ground with it. Um, so the, the, the strong side is the opposite of the running back because that's the way the run play goes 95% of the time. And – you know, in the pistol, it's harder to determine a strong side because the back, it's almost like the old ace formation. Y'all remember Alabama in 2011 and 2012 with A.J. McCarron, the good old ace formation with, you know, the, the Y coming in motion or H back coming in motion. And, uh, you know, it, it's more like that. The the running back is behind the quarterback. And so you have to rely on the tight end to determine the strong side. If your tight end's on the right, it's strong right. If tight end's on the left, strong left. And if it's split tight, if there's a tight end on each side, you have you have no choice. You have to play straight up. Um, you know, I, I sent you guys some, some plays that I saw where out of the shotgun, what South Florida was doing was they were just slanting. They were slanting like crazy. And once we got into the pistol, since you're running back – doesn't necessarily have to – it's easier for a running back to see the backside cut, if that makes sense. Say there's a dive playoff to the right and a pistol, which if you go back and watch Roy or Williams, if you watch the big run, um, and really Jason McClellan on the first play of the game did the same thing, the cut was to the left. The run was to the right originally, but the cut was to the left. It was easier to see the cut because um, – Because he was out of the pistol and he was in the middle of the formation, whereas, you know, in the shotgun, he's on one side and he's kind of running to half the line. You know, your aiming point is off the the hip of the guard or off the hip of the tackle. And um, it's harder to cut back out of the shotgun. It's possible, but it's harder. It's easier out of the pistol. Um, And so I, I started seeing that, and then I did some breakdowns, and our Alabama's running backs ran for 204 yards. 94 of it was out of the pistol on just seven carries that's 13.4 yards per carry out of the pistol every other running back run came out of the shotgun where there were 24 carries for 110 yards which is four and a half yards a carry which isn't terrible but it is south florida you figured you'd get at least six seven eight yards a pop um regardless of what you run out of but it seemed like every time we went to the pistol formation we were able to have success out of it and that's something that I'm really looking for this week. Uh, you know, once again, with Bill O'Brien, how many times last year did we go on this podcast? And we're like, can Bill O'Brien, the guy that's making $2 million a year, can he see what we're seeing on TV? So, this is my question for Tommy Reese. Like, are you going to make that adjustment? Are you going to be able to see that on film and try to implement more of the pistol into your game plan? Um, but, J Law, play calling wise, You know, you were a big – you wanted to see – you expected to see more quarterback runs going into the Texas game. You didn't get it. You didn't get it against South Florida when Milrow didn't play. Is there – you know, finally that they've settled on Milrow and Reese maybe had had his shot with his guy and he couldn't get it done. Do you think maybe Reese finally opens up and tries to get more quarterback run into the offense or do you think it's just going to be the same old shit that we've seen for three games?
2: First of all, why – what has Tyler Buckner done – what did Tyler Buckner do to be Tommy Reese's guy?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe blackmail again. And the guy lost to Marshall. Not Listen, but,
2: dude, I guarantee you I could have hit Jermaine Burton. promise you, bro. Like, it was nowhere near – and the one that – a 10-yard throw, he skips it five yards into the pass – so that 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 makes me question Tommy Reese that much more. Like, what did he think Tyler Buckner could do? Now, Tyler Buckner maybe being a little more consistent in practice potentially over Ty Simpson over fall camp. Maybe that's why. He was up first before Ty Simpson in that. But so my judgment on Tommy Reese is already like pretty damn bad, right? Because I did expect to see after watching Tommy Reese run RPO after RPO after RPO at Notre Dame, when you go back and watch almost every offensive play that Notre Dame had on YouTube last year, watching RPOs, watching zone reads, just watching straight quarterback QB power, you would think that some of that would come back come with him to Tuscaloosa. Now, what makes me think it hasn't is Nick Saban's got his hands all in this offense. That that to me that can be the only explanation as to why we did not run Jalen Milroe 12 to 15 times against Texas to stress their defense. Also, Ty Simpson dual threat guy didn't really try to run him or and really didn't try to run Buckner either. So how much how much in this offense is Nick Saban in his quote unquote style and if you did watch the game on TV, I know Lester didn't cuz he for some reason went to Tampa and brutally sat through this game. Um, They were saying that, Hey, this isn't Tommy Reese's offense. It's Nick Saban's offense. And, and literally, I think that changed. I think that change happened after Sarkeesian left that it went back to being the Nick Saban offense because they're not doing anything they did with Sark, Dable, Kiffin, Loxley, and they are doing the exact same thing they did essentially with Bill O'Brien and Tommy Reese. Now, do, do I expect does, – does somebody put their foot down and say, to help Jalen Milrow, we need to run the quarterback? To help Jalen Milrow, we need run-pass option. I think that has to be done for Alabama to win this game against Ole Miss. How are you going to loosen up that defense? Man, if they're sending gas, RPO, speed option, quarterback run, do something to back the defense off. But, no, I don't really have any faith in Tommy Reese when it comes to this. He's shown me through three games that um, he's very vanilla – He's relying on the talent to win him games, and that kind of goes back to everything he did at Notre Dame. He probably beat almost every team he was supposed to beat (laughs) out of Marshall and probably lost every game that he was supposed to lose while he was Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. So um, we'll see what they do. I don't expect to see it. Would I like to see it? Yes. I don't expect to see any major changes with the play calling or with kind of how they're going to help Jalen Milrose settle into this game. Don't expect to see any difference.
0: Yeah, you you definitely you need to dial up something downfield early because another thing, my second point about guys being are being outnumbered in the box and defense on defense, you want to always try to match match the box. Meaning, if you've got three wide receivers on offense, you got five offensive linemen and one tight end in the protection or in the formation. Meaning, he's down on the line next to the tackle. That's a six-man offensive box, basically. You don't count your quarterback. You don't count your running back. So, on defense, you want to put at least six guys there. Now, once you start outnumbering people in the box, that's when you're playing your triple option teams, you know, your teams that run the Maryland dial like Leicester on NCAA. So, then you run your engage eight and you drop three guys and you bring bring everybody. But South Florida, I noticed they were they were outnumbering us in the box – And basically all that is is the fact that they didn't think that our quarterbacks were good enough to throw it over their heads. And so I I went back on one of my rewatches and I I tallied up. I I call it the pre-Dupree throw, meaning before Ty Simpson hit Dupree who got behind the safety and just lofted it over everybody's head and just dropped it in the bucket. Before that throw, which happened in six minutes in the third quarter, Alabama had run 39 plays. On 16 of the 39, which is 41%, Alabama was outnumbered in the box. So if they ran their double tight and they had seven blockers, USF had eight guys in the box. If they had six blockers, USF had seven or eight guys in the box, which is insane. And the post-Dupree throw, which is, like I said, six minutes in the third, Alabama ran 26 plays after that. Five times out of 26 plays, they were outnumbered in the box, which is 19%. So that number goes from 40 to 41% down to 19% because of one freaking throw. So I kept trying to tell y'all during the game, you got to loosen up, well. you got to throw to set up the run. And it's great to run to set up the pass, but it doesn't matter if you had the Eagles' offensive line. If you're outnumbered in the box, you're out, man. You can't block everybody. You can't expect six guys. To block seven or eight guys. So, no wonder Alabama hadn't been getting a push offensively. Whenever they matched the box, whenever it was six on six or five on five, I think Alabama did a fine job of running the ball. The pistol helped that out because the, the backs are able to see cutback lanes a lot easier. Um, and it, it also helps your lineman getting double teams and working up to the second level because you can't stunt as much. South Florida was doing a lot of stunting, a lot of slanting on the defensive line out of the shotgun, it's very tough to do that. Whenever you got four defensive linemen and then three got three linebackers, you're in the traditional four, three, seven in the box against a, a six-man blocking scheme. So very difficult to run against that. So if you're Reese, you have to be able to set up some kind of plays, either wide or deep, and convert them early in the game, and that does nothing but help your offense. But, you know, it's just another thing that we can see. Uh, Lester, I thought it was a great point you made earlier about – if a guy is just running past Proctor over and over and over again, just dump that little screen. I like a running back going to help on that side. And just like the TJ Elden play against LSU in 20 to 2012, 2013, or whatever, um, 2012, whenever Barrett Jones called that that audible screen to to win the game down there in Baton Rouge, something like that. It's just so simple, but Reese just can't freaking see it. And you want to be optimistic that he'll get it turned around, but, I just I just don't I just don't think it's there. And um but yeah he absolutely has to change his mindset with Jalen Milrow starting. You gotta get him 10 to 15 design runs a game. Even if it's a read option, Lester, even if the guy's like if you're a Reese, don't you tell don't you tell Milrow, hey, even if the guy sits there, just outrun him to the sidelines. He can't catch you. He's a defensive end or an outside linebacker, he can't catch you. So even if you run the read and the guy is unblocked and he just kind of sits there pull it anyway screw it nate marshall did that all the time
1: yep 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 i remember i specifically remember because you know we talked about why they didn't run the read option so much against texas i was telling you anytime that texas safety sees the the read coming anytime he sees the options come he is screaming downfield
0: yeah you just throw that little right. tight end that little tight end pop right where he came from yeah. Damn, right there and, gone
1: and luckily, Millrooks, he's such a damn good athlete. He juked the guy and he missed him. But think about it. If 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 you incorporate that read option and to stop that, teams are gonna start telling that it's safety, hey, scream upfield. They're gonna tell that linebacker, hey, scream, go for it, shoot it. Look, what's a fake? A fake give, simple dump, right where he was um right with the Defensive player was. This is not hard. And how how we've been saying how how I was talking about all season long since we hired him, I don't have faith because we don't we don't know who Tommy Reese is, but until he shows us that he can adapt, I have no faith in this guy. And I still don't have any faith in him. Three games into the season going into SEC play. Zero faith in this guy. Cause what's to say you going up again? That was South Florida we played, guys. Yeah. South Florida, and we and we like you said, we lined up in the Maryland eye all game. We should have beat those guys thirty five to zero, and for them to lose, for them to win seventeen to three is honestly quite embarrassing. So, I I mean I no I will I will make this point. I don't think that score seventeen to three on Milro and I think that's another reason why Saban is going to start him. But guys, I mean, there's just it's just not good. I, I have no faith in, in in Reese to lead this offense, and I think Milro being somewhat of a wild card is the best chance that we have for the rest of the season. And even his ceiling is limited. So,
0: yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's kind of my thing about Ty starting. I, like I said, I don't think that, and I think everybody thinks is pretty obvious. I don't think. I think Jalen Milrow gives you the best chance to win now as in this weekend, you got a home game. You can't draw back to back games at home. Um, you can't go two and two in September. So Milrow gives you the best chance to win this weekend, but ceiling wise, I think Milrow, I don't know if he's capped out, but if, I mean, it's, it's getting close. There's not like we talked about, he's just not a quarterback. It's not his fault. He's not a quarterback. He's an athlete trying to play the position of quarterback he's those and, and you know he's those guys on NCAA when you go in and recruit in the dynasty the athletes that you know their their speed is a 94 and their agility and acceleration is like a 92 their throw power is like a 78 and their throw power or throw accuracy is like a 70 I mean that's Milrow it is what it is and J-Law Pete Golding coming back to Tuscaloosa knows Jalen Milrow very well i um, kind of upset that Saban tipped his hand. If I was him, I'd have been like, it's competition. I don't know who's playing. I don't know who's going to play quarterback. But then secretly tell your team that, hey, look, it's Milrow. But we don't want – and now Golden gets a full week to prepare for him, which he was probably going to do anyway. But we know what he's going to do. He's going to run two deep safety. He's going to run man-to-man, and he's going to blitz. And he's going to make Milrow beat you and the 5- to 15-yard range, where Milrow struggles the most. Um, If Tommy Reese would help him out, I would feel a lot better about it. But how do you think Milrow fares this weekend against Pete Golding and his return to T-Town?
2: Just thinking about Pete Golding's preparation, I mean, does he really have to prepare any differently for Milrow than he does anybody else outside of just potentially worried about a scramble after watching the first three games because we've done the same thing with three quarterbacks? Outside of one RPO with Ty Buckner, but no, I think I think Pete Golding's got revenge on his mind. Lane Kiffin's clearly not worried about Alabama at least as much as he normally would be. I mean, he's li- he- Lane Kiffin started a rumor, then retweeted the rumor. <laughs> I mean, like Lane Kiffin does not care. Right? And then it was like, <laughs> I don't know
0: you're talking about.
2: Yeah, then 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 <laughs> said he didn't try to start it when he retweeted it on Twitter. So, I mean, like. I don't think Kiffin's worried. And and listen, why would you be? Nobody is scared of Alabama. The University of South Florida isn't scared of Alabama. Texas ain't scared of Alabama. Alabama is four and three in its last five power five games.
0: Yeah, last seven games are four and Those years,
2: last 7 they They're four and three. Yep. So I mean, I mean, who's scared of Alabama? Pete Golding, I think. Um defensively hasn't been great this year for Ole Miss. I know Georgia Tech got a few points on them as well. um. But clearly teams can, can shut down Alabama. So I, I think that Jalen Milrow in this game is going to obviously have to play better than he played against Texas. But I also think he's playing a much less talented defense. What I'm worried about is Kiffin being able to scheme up this Nick Saban defense, this Kevin Steele defense. And putting pressure on our offense, because this is this is by no means going to be a game where I think Ole Miss can score 25 to 32 points in this ball ballgame. So, sorry, my Apple watch was started talking, but <laughs> I, I, th- I think that I think that album is going to have to score 30 again. Just like they needed to do against Texas, and I just don't know if they can get there. I'm really worried about Alabama going two and two in September. And yeah, I don't I think sure. it's as much about Pete Golding. I think it's more about Lane Kiffin just scoring too many points.
0: I think it's about Alabama and our and the issues that they have. I mean, because like we've talked about, it's not just one. It's it's the uh, the running backs and protection, the offensive line protection. It's um the quarterback play, of course. It's the offensive play calling. It's the dumbass plays that Alabama continues to make. You had a penalty negate a touchdown on a kickoff. Terry Arnold made a great return, and Jeremiah Alexander decides to drag the bitch down to the ground. Like, what the hell are you doing? And you know, Kool Aid gets a great pick, and that's negated by a penalty. Uh, you know, against Texas, you had two touchdowns wiped off the board. Like, when you're when you have issues already. You can't be undisciplined on top of that. Something has to give. One or the other has to get fixed. If you're going to be undisciplined, damn it, have a good offensive game plan. Put your players in the best position to win. And if you're going to have a shit game plan and you're going to have bad quarterback play, bad offensive line play, damn, at least at least stop committing dumbass penalties. And it's it's the same old shit. Like, you know, everybody's like, is this going to be a two-hour podcast? And no, because we talked about all of this last week. We're not going to sit here and waste our breath ranting on the same stuff over and over again, and it's not going to get fixed. This is what Alabama is now. For the last three years, Saban has forgotten how to discipline a football team, so it's what you're going to get, but something's got to give if you're going to win a big-time game. Um, I, I look for I look for Ole Miss to, to score. At least. Lester, what's the number that Bama has to get to offensively to win this game, in your opinion? I think J-Law said, whatever, 25 to 28. I think it's low 30s. I think it's 30 or 31 points that that Kiffin's gonna score. Um, I think Alabama has to get to the 34, 35 mark. how many, how many points do you think uh Kiffin can put up on this Alabama defense who's playing well? You know, like like but like I earlier, defense. playing well, but you have to yeah. for Jalen Miro turning the ball over because he's had two power five starts unless he had five turnovers in those two games. So you kind of at this point had to count on him turning the ball over and giving it to Ole miss on the thirty yard line going in.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't say enough good things about this defense. Um, regardless of who's calling plays, screw you, Kiffin. I love you though. Um, yeah, this 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 defense they're, they're opportunistic. I I still think there needs to be some um better performances up front. Man, we've got the we've got the stunts aren't working, but they're they're kind of sort of affecting the quarterback. They're not quite getting there without sending a whole bunch of pressure. But other than that. You know, I can't say enough great things about this defense. Uh, That's certainly going to be tested this week. Um, Of course, with Kiffin coming in. But to answer your question, I think they need to score 35 points because, you know, we know that Kiffin, we know him. And I think Kiffin is a little bit more heartless than Sark is, as Kiffin just simply does not give a damn at all. And as many times, like you mentioned before, that Saban has embarrassed him, like undressed him on the sideline. You know he can love Nick Saban all he wants to, but he can still want to beat his ass. Yeah, you can be appreciative,
0: but he wants to to win this game more than any game on schedule. It's like that. It's been like that every single year. he has been at Ole Miss.
1: And I, I I don't. I'm just not. My faith for an Alabama football team is at an all time low right now in in the Saban era because in this era of football. You have to be efficient and score the ball. If this was 20, uh, what, to, 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 to 2009 to 2014, 15, I'd be like, eh, okay. You know, I know the defense is going to go out and score two touchdowns, get a couple picks, and put our offense in a great positions to score. But you cannot bank on that in today's football game. Everything is so skewed towards the offense and putting up points that, you know, your, your defense, like we saw, you know, can be as great as it can be. I believe this team has a great defense. 2016 was a great defense. But after bending and bending and bending so much, you're going to break. And I feel like, you know, if this off, if this defense has a game where it breaks, the offense cannot recover and cannot move the ball efficiently enough to score the ball. They cannot move the ball efficiently or good enough to give this defense a break. Uh, give them a, a little breather here and there, so I feel like it's going to be a, the ultimate test this 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 you know season thus far. So I don't know, it's it's kind of worrisome. It's very worrisome actually, but uh, yeah, they they're gonna have yeah,
0: they, points. What do you say? Scary hours is that you're saying? Scary hours, buddy. Scary because hours,
1: I mean, oh, this is what the fourth week into the season now. Yeah. What is our expectations of the, of this team? Because I've told y'all, I've said it. If you've listened to this podcast, I don't care about the score. I really don't care about the opponent. Our I'm judging this team off of can they win a national championship? And what I'm seeing right now is that the answer is they they cannot.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, my yeah. expectations are, are lowered. You know, after the Texas game, I told y'all I didn't sleep. You said bad. it then, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> But, you know, after South Florida, I slept like a baby because you have to realize this, this team is what it is. You can be mad all you want, but it's not going right. to change. They're going to get in front of the media every day, and we had a players-only meeting. We're not going to tell you what what uh, what was said in it. Then why the hell did you even say that you had a players-only meeting? Because you want damn attention. You want attention. Why is Tyler Booker up there every single week making excuses for shit? J.C. Latham making excuses. Like – that's all it is. And it starts with a head coach. All he does is make excuses. Well, Proctor sucks ass because Booker wasn't there. What? So it's it's gotten old to me. And, uh, you know, of course it still bothers me, but I don't let it, like, it didn't affect my sleep this week because I, I finally understand that it is what it is now. And, you know, it's still difficult to watch. But because, I mean, dude, look, like, you know, I love tailgating. We go up there, we have a huge tailgate. Hey, 1083B, if you want to come this weekend, um, I will be there. But there is a small part of me that's like, I could, I mean, I just don't even want to go up there. Like, because you know what you're going to get. And it's very difficult to take the time to go up there, spend the night, get all this, you know, do all that stuff just to go watch a team on the field who doesn't give a shit, you know, it's very difficult because as much as we care as fans, you know, Kristen Saban doesn't think so. She thinks that the players care more than the fan. Nick Saban thinks the players care more than the fans. That ain't true. But um, yeah. And so it's. Still, it's
1: easy to say that when you got a big Delta
0: jet. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, as far as expectations go, I mean, I told you, my preseason predictions was Milro gets benched after Texas. And that came true, but the other ones didn't perform well enough. So Milrose back. I think is a three or four lost quarterback at at, at minimum. Um, you know, Alabama's got a lot of losable games in a row. You're talking about Ole Miss, ANM, Tennessee, LSU, Arkansas, Auburn. There's six, six, seven or six games that I just ran off the top of my head that Alabama could lose. So yeah, I think you know, I fully expect an eight and four, nine and three season. And I'm just going to take it as we go. But uh, J Law, as of now, Alabama is a seven-point favorite on my book over Ole Miss at home. Weekly episode or weekly, weekly segment? Does Bama cover the minus seven?
2: No. We no, I think if they, I think if they win, we're back. By... Dude.
0: We're back. <laughs>
2: It's four or less if if Bama wins. Um, And that's a big – right now, to me, it's a big if Bama wins. I mean, like, I – when's the last time we won a big game?
0: 2021 SEC
2: championship, maybe? It's been a while since we Mm -hmm. won a big game. Um, no, I don't think they cover this. I hope they do. I think people get confused on our podcast, like we're rooting against certain players or whatever. Dude, I want Alabama to win every game by fifty. I want I want Taylor Millroad to win the Heisman.
0: Yeah, like, you're not you're not going to find bigger fans than us. But at the same time, we feel like we owe it to our, our listeners to be realistic because there's so many sunshine pumping podcasts out there that are just full of shit. And we 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 we're not going to be those guys. We're going to call it like we see it.
2: Yeah, half of those podcasts are on services that people subscribe to and pay money to. And you're sitting there listening to some of them saying like, like there's a specific podcast on, on three where a guy just just slobbed on Pete Golding's knob for two years. And you're like, dude, what are you talking about? And yeah. Anyways, then we, and obviously we haven't done that, but I I, was, I want Alabama to cover. I want them to win by 20. Nobody wants to be wrong about this Alabama team more than me. Nobody wants to be wrong about Jalen Milrow, Tommy Reese, Nick Saban losing it more than me. So I I don't think they cover. I do think – I think they're definitely in jeopardy of losing, but I just – I hold out hope that in Bryant-Denny Alabama can get a win over a top 25 team, win a big game for it feels like the first time in a really long time. And I hope to see some stuff that makes you say, you know what, hey, they got better. Two sacks or less with a mobile quarterback should not be asking too much. Um, how about 50 rush yards for Jalen Milrow, plus maybe a rushing touchdown? Just give yeah. me something my, to hang my hat on. Yeah,
0: non-scramble rush yards, right? Right. Yeah, he'll scramble means, for it, he'll scramble for 50 on his own, just about. Yeah, every that's
2: time. what I mean. Design run rush plays right. that are successful for Jalen Milrow. Give me something like that. Hey, defense, bust one coverage or less. Like Lane Kiffin's going to steal a touchdown in this game. Oh, yeah. Book it. He does it all the time. I mean, uh, except last year, but. I mean, he's probably going to steal a touchdown in this game with this offense that he has. Good quarterback, good receivers, good running back. Um, he had 300 rushing yards last week. Lane Kiffin still wants to run the football. It's so a big test for Otis, who was back at practice today, I believe. A lot of guys rotated in and out on the D-line last week. DeMond Payne Jr. I mean, tons of guys Wayne got to Smith.
0: play. How about a – what a play.
2: Yeah, I mean, so, like, these, well. guys, these guys – these guys are going to want to run the football – but I don't think Alabama is going to cover. I think if they win this game, it's by four or less, and
0: I hope I'm wrong. I've got Ole Miss covering also. Lester, what you got? Did Alabama cover minus seven? I don't think so. Um, oh, hey, we're, yeah, we're back to mid, the Middle Tennessee State. It's like we're back to square one. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nobody's picking this to cover.
1: Because, like, think about all the teams that you've mentioned, Um, what, Texas a m you know, especially Ole Miss, Bro, they don't give a damn about defense. And an Alabama team that's not a threat on offense, they're saying hallelujah. Are you serious? Kiffin, he can't wait to get into a track meet against this Alabama team. Jimbo, sure, he'd love to get into a track meet, run all up and down the field, back and forth against this Alabama team. Because who scares you on this offense? What scares you? Sure, yeah. Give give Kiffin a another, um, let them get a turnover on defense. Sure, yeah, give us the ball back real quick. Go ahead, go ahead, give us the ball back. Cause you know what, as good as that defense is, as good as our defense is, once again, Ben don't break, but they're gonna break eventually, man. And the offense cannot protect them. It's I I I think I think that I I I'm not surprised if there's. Well, we have we have one loss so far. If they're three, or four losses this year, simply because these other teams are licking their chops because they know our offense can't do shit. Like, unless unless Milro just magically gets better, unless Tommy Reese, you know, twenty five percent through
0: the season right, now, right there. Yeah, see, it's, better, it's, it's I think it's, it's, more, it's more on Reese than it is Milro. because, like I said, yeah. I think Milro's yeah. about capped out. So it's on your OC to put it, to do what he does best. Man, it just makes Doing sense. Just
1: yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say there. I don't I don't think they win this week. I don't. J Law,
0: hit your bet of the week last week. Penn State minus fifteen and a half on the road. They go to Illinois, wax ass. Um, hit us hit us. Give us another winner this week or two out of three. Pretty nice. Me and Lester one and two struggling a little bit. So uh, give us your bet of the week. Who you got? Oh man, do
2: I stick with the Nittany Lions minus 14 and a half? They've been ride. really, they've been really, they've just been really good to me. No, I was just looking up and down this and I had one that I'm sitting on right here. Okay. Oklahoma. I don't know if y'all are keeping up with these guys. They were boat racing everybody. Brent Venables looks like he's turned things around after just a horrible year last year. He's on the road. At Cincinnati, minus 14 and a half. Cincinnati obviously fickle now at Wisconsin. Things have changed a little bit for Cincinnati. I like Oklahoma to just absolutely blow the doors off a future Big Twelve team on their way out of the Big Twelve.
0: Cincinnati just got beat by Miami of Ohio. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, and
2: it, but the Vegas lines continue
0: to sleep on Oklahoma every week and they continue to go hammer way over. Yeah. Um my bet of the week. I'm, I'm gonna have to go with Ole Miss. Uh, you know, there's some pretty good, pretty good bets out there, but I think you know, just to get me back to 500, I'm gonna go with probably the safest bet on the board has to be Ole Miss. And look, this nobody can sit here and and give me a legit reason why Alabama covers seven points even though they're at home. Texas just came in there and white, you know, wiped the floor, mopped the floor with Alabama on their home turf. Um, the crowd will not be near as amped up for this game after two subpar performances, two below average performances um, by Alabama. The crowd won't be near as gassed up. Kithin, once again, been preparing for it all year long. This is the only game on his schedule. This is the opportunity of a lifetime for Pete Golding. Saban tipped his hand and told him who the quarterback was going to be. He'll cover deep. He'll mix in blitz blitz, blitz packages, excuse me, and um you can he's gonna easily stop Jalen Milrow. Plus you gotta count for Jalen Milro to give Ole Miss six to ten points off turnovers. Um I think I think Bama wins or uh sorry, I think Ole Miss wins the game 31-28 and the points are just gravy. Uh, but you might not even need them. Um that's my bet of the week. Lester, what you got?
1: Yeah, there's a couple good ones I'm interested in. Um Colorado and Oregon. Um Florida State is minus two against Clemson on the road. That is bizarre. But um, my bet of the week is going to be um, Auburn-Texas A&M. I think Texas and m is a seven-and-a-half yeah. favorite. Yeah. I'm going to take Texan in the cover. Um, Auburn's banged up right now. Um, I, I just don't see them handling that Cal crowd. crowd um, or, or overcoming some of the injuries that they have. So I'm going to take – Texas a and I think, it's minus seven and a half. Six yeah, and hopefully,
0: half. you know, Jimbo, the the organization came out and said, you know, if you don't turn it around, we'll we'll pay that that buyout, and you're going to lose your job. So hopefully, yeah, okay. get he's getting these yeah. gas prices yeah. lately. Yeah, and he and he takes it out on Auburn, and it's about time for Auburn to get a good ass whooping. You know, they've been playing like trash. They beat Sanford, they squeaked it out against Cal, shouldn't have won that game, and uh, so yeah, hope it's, it's they're they're due for a good ass whooping, and and. I'm going to really enjoy It's at 11 a.m., right? 11 a.m. All right. Well, there you go. Same, basically the same podcast as last week. Alabama's got issues that Nick Saban says are fixable, yet they haven't been fixed. So until they get it fixed, I really wouldn't expect anything less than what you've gotten. So, guys, any final thoughts before we hop off?
2: No nope,
1: good old good. It, it was a long nine hours to Tampa and back, but here we are.
2: I guess I got to. I cannot believe See? you drove down there for that. I could have told you that. Was sure. Who did you go with?
1: I got I got family and stuff down there. I, the tiger? Yeah, I, no.
0: Okay. I didn't
1: know. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was it was a great time. It was a really good time. Um, got a cousin and stuff down there, but yeah, I guess I'll save up some more coins and get ready for this bowl game. Surely it won't be as expensive as uh. Saving up for a state championship or oh, no, uh That's you're, like six you're, minutes you're,
2: from your house. Yeah, to
1: be
0: in Birmingham, dude. Oh yeah, the Birmingham Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> y'all can come crash at the crib. Sure. Yeah, I'm coming, no doubt. But all right, guys, I uh, appreciate you coming in. Um, stopping, stopping in, listening to us. Roll Tide. Um, please fix this, please. I'm begging you. Episode ninety, Conference Podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. We're out.